Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Confluence Cast presented by Columbus Underground. We are a weekly Columbus-centric podcast focusing on the civics, lifestyle, entertainment, and people of our city. I'm your host, Tim Fulton. This week, just in time for the elections, we talk with the executive director of the Matriots, an Ohio nonpartisan political action committee about their big, hairy, audacious goal of equal representation for women in office. We cover how they evaluate candidates, the importance of being intentional, and the correlation of women being involved in politics to women being elected to office. You can get more information on what we discussed today in the show notes for this episode at theconfluencecast.com. Also, The Confluence Cast is on Patreon. Find out how to support this podcast on our website, theconfluencecast.com, or at patreon.com slash confluence. Enjoy the interview. Sitting down here with Alyssa Snyder, the executive director of the Matriots. Alyssa, how are you? Good. How are you? Good. Good. Tell us about the Matriots. So the Matriots is a political action committee. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're nonpartisan, committed to getting more women elected to office in the state of Ohio. Okay. I just want to address it up front. You say nonpartisan. Yeah. And it's literally... Some could perceive that as being sort of a liberal ideal. Mm -hmm. Can you talk to that a little bit? Yeah, sure. So when we say nonpartisan, we are intentional um, of not using bipartisan. Okay. So we are um, intentionally not in connection with either party. Mm -hmm. Uh, Frankly, we don't believe that the political parties have been best serving women and women candidates in particular. And so thinking about that, um, we are mindful that this isn't just about one party or the other. We also know that if we wanna get to our big goal, which our um, big, hairy, audacious goal Mm -hmm. is to get to 50% uh, women in elected office in the state of Ohio by 2028, so 10 years, in a decade, we wanna get to equal representation and so to get there right cannot be done with one party right i mean like just that's bad math right and so thinking about that it's important for us that we're embracing women of any party or no party at all okay um, to get to that goal and so how do you i want to talk about sort of your methodologies in a minute but how do you evaluate candidates is it simply this person is a woman or identifies as a woman and hence they will receive an endorsement or is there an interview process that candidates go through regarding issues? I noticed on your webs, literally there's no, you know, it's not even men who would represent women's issues well. It is literally just women. Yeah, so as far as representation within the organization, so we are a membership based organization so anyone who um, makes a contribution Mm -hmm. into the political action committee is considered a member okay members can be men and women uh, people who serve on boards and committee and who are involved and engaged in the work of the matriots men and women Mm -hmm. and uh, the place where we um, strictly limit it to um, females is in our candidates so we only endorse female candidates okay And frankly, right, thinking to that big goal, Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, men who may be good on women's issues, right, may vote the way um, that many women uh, feel is positive, right, may be supportive of women um, while they're in office, and those men certainly exist. Uh, what they don't do is get us any closer to equal representation in okay. the state of Ohio. So that's the true goal at the end so of the day. that's the true goal at the end of the day. Um, that's really what we're working towards is equal representation. Is there any additional sort of evaluation factor there? Yeah. So okay. let's talk through. Um, so our endorsement process is a, a pretty involved process. So uh, during a open application time, candidates can um, go onto our website and download a um, application. Okay. And uh, the application is probably not too much different than other political action committees that endorse. There are some basic questions on there, right? Um, Similar to what, like, the questionnaires that a newspaper may have a candidate fill out. Perhaps, yes. Okay. Um, or a union. So we're okay. asking things like, um, you know, have you ever been committed convicted of a crime, some like basic things, right? That you just want to know yeah. um, right off the bat. And then um, uh, the second question on our application is simply, um, so we're really evaluating candidates based on our values. So for us, this is about uh, shared values, not shared party lines. Okay. Um, and specifically, that's really... Um, for us, we ask those questions right off the bat. So, for example, one of those is a commitment to women's economic independence. Okay. And so that's a question that we then will ask a series of probing questions about how do you um, exhibit that in your own personal life, in your campaign, uh, when you're in office or when you have been in office, right? Okay. And then um, from there, uh, we have an... In endorsement committee and that committee sits down and looks at all of those candidates and makes a decision about whether or not we want to move the candidate on to the next part of the selection process and the next part of that selection process is a um, in-person or phone interview with at least three people from the endorsement committee okay so how for, many people are on that endorsement committee now i'm just super interested in sort of structure and yeah hierarchy. sure um so there are uh, 16 people okay. on that committee, and um, three of which sit on our board of directors. Got it. And that's by design. That is by design. Got correct. It. Okay. Um, and that committee then, with the candidates that move forward then into the interview process, mm -hmm. um, it is another series of questions about our values. And then it's a, a series of questions, really, we're looking for three things. So one, yes, uh, are they matching up with our value set? Mm -hmm. And then um, after we've decided yes, then the next thing for us is really around three different things we're looking for in a specific candidate that, we're, that we will endorse. Um, number one, we're looking for a candidate um, that's running a compelling campaign. So compelling campaign to us, right, are they raising the amount of money that's needed Okay. for that um, race. And I will tell you that's really varied, right? Even two people who are running for um, Ohio House of Representatives, for example, uh, it could take in one seat $100,000 more than another seat. Right, Right. because it's all about the district and how sure. competitive it absolutely. is. absolutely. Okay. 
And so then from there, you know, do they have um, a website? Can they talk about the issues in their community that their community is facing and what they want to do about it? Okay. Right. So that's really number one, a compelling campaign. Number two, are they a rising star? And Rising Star for us is not about age. I can tell you in our indoor slate for November, there's a Rising Star that's 70. Mm -hmm. Um, It's really about, is this candidate going to run again? Are they in this for the long haul? Do they want to be involved in the political process for some time to come? Okay. You know, what we know is men um, tend to uh, run and run and run again, right? And often after... Uh, an election, they'll wake up the next morning and say, all right, what are we going to run me for next, right? Right. And a woman wakes or up. Or how am I going to continue to secure this position? Right. Um, and then, assuming they've lost, right? And a woman wakes up the morning after election when she's lost and goes through and thinks, okay, what are the 92 things that I could have done differently, right? Okay. And do I want to go about this again? And how does that affect my family, right? Those are questions that women are rightly asking. It's also part of why women are so great in office. Mm-hmm. Um, but what that means is that women are often not running again. And it often takes running more than once to get into elected office. And so okay. we are looking for women who are really willing to put that time and energy in. Um, so if they might not win this time, but are they going to be around right. for several several elections? That's interesting. So much of it's about name ID, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, we want women who are, are committed to that and committed to continuing to push forward. And then number three is, um, are they moving the needle? Okay. And when you hear moving the needle, right, often that is a conversation you'll hear on, you know, MSNBC. And it's really about flipping seats often, okay. right, from R to D or D to R, right? And for us, it's not about that at all. What it's about is, is this woman running in this seat making a difference in that district for women? So is this the first time a woman's run in mm-hmm. that seat, right? Is seeing a woman in that position, even if she does not win, seeing her behind that microphone, really playing that part, right? Okay. Um, which isn't something that we're, we're seeing that often from women. And so if this is the first time a woman's running that, that seat, if a woman can um, get a higher percentage of votes than the man who ran in there the last time, right? Those are the kinds of things we're really looking for. And so are you worried then, what if you end up in a election where there's more uh more than one woman running is it sort of a situation where you guys have to decide based on that criteria or do you sort of say we're going to stay out of this race because a woman's going to win anyway mm-hmm. um yeah that's a great question so i don't and, imagine you've and going had back to deal right with that yet. um given this lengthy process of who we're going to endorse and the thoughtfulness that goes into it mm-hmm. um for us, it isn't about just spreading, you know, our money and influence around like peanut butter, right? Okay. We really are being intentional about where we want to focus our power, our financial resources, right, and influence. And and so it's not about just every single woman candidate, right, being mm-hmm. supported by the Matriots. Um, although that's nice enough, it isn't necessarily going to get us um, – to our big goal, right? Um, because once we start diffusing all of that, what does the endorsement mean, right? How, right. how are we ultimately helping? And so we are really intentional um, 
our endorsement committee has a set of guiding principles, and we are looking at um, races where there are multiple women um, in a race or two women running against each other, and we are often picking one over another. Now, we don't okay. have to do that, right? There right. are races we can decide to sit out. Um, we could dual endorse. I will tell you that we haven't made that decision up until now. We have always made a decision to um, back one candidate in those scenarios. But theoretically, you could. But theoretically. You guys have had an internal conversation. What What happens when this happens? Maybe there's a dual endorsement. It is possible, yeah. Okay, interesting. So a large part of what you guys do is sort of that evaluation process, and it comes down to the endorsement, which means they can put your name on the literature. Does money come with that automatically? How does that choice get made with you guys, and is that materially different from other political action committees? Sure. Um, I think that our process is a little different in the way that we're looking differently than many political action committees. And I guess I'm thinking particularly a corporate political action committee is really looking at um, what a contribution to a candidate will yield for their specific issues or Mm -hmm. business. Right. Um, And and who aligns best with that, right? And ours is really about aligning with values. And our ultimate goal is just to get this woman into office and mm-hmm. let her do her thing, right? Okay. Um, and so I think that that's maybe a slight difference. Uh, so what happens is that after, right, we've talked about those three things, the rising star compelling campaign and moving the needle. Mm-hmm. From there, the endorsement committee then has a robust conversation about all those candidates and all those conversations and then uh, we additionally have a research committee that does background research on that district and on that candidate okay um, and that candidate's opponent and then all of that um, conversation results in the endorsement committee making recommendations to the board of directors of who they'd like to endorse okay after that decision is made then the endorsement committee uh, has conversation about candidate contributions. And so um, in this last cycle, we did make a contribution to all 34 women that we endorse. Okay. Um, it is not required that if there's an endorsement that there's um, definitely a can- uh, contribution okay. uh, to the campaign, but... Um, it's important to us. So, you know, one of the things that we know is when we started the the political action committee, which was started um, by six women, mm-hmm. and six women went to the Women's March and uh, came back inspired and um, moved to act. Okay. Right? And sat down, and the six of them uh, are now board chair Sally Crane Cox. Sat everyone down. I think the original intention was maybe one of them was going to run for office. Okay. And all of them said, "No thanks." No, thank you. Mm-hmm. That's uh, no surprises, right? We okay. know we know it's hard um, to run, and it's even harder, right, to run as a woman. And so uh, they then looked at what existed in the landscape and uh, where help was really needed. 
and looked at, you know, there's a lot of programs that exist right now and are continuing to sort of pop up um, in our current environment around pipeline, encouraging women to run, um, training about what it takes to run. Mm-hmm. Um, most of those exist either mostly on the progressive side or on the conservative side. Mm-hmm. Um, but there really are um, more and more programs around that. And so felt like that was a piece of the pie that didn't, that was already being taken care of, right? Okay. So the piece that felt missing was power, influence, and equality, right? So what are those pieces um, that are m- missing once a woman runs for office, right? So what is it that um, she's not getting an equal measure to a man? Okay. And that's financial resources, it's influence. Um, and so we're really concentrated on those two pieces of the pie. How is it that we can make sure that a woman has a well-funded campaign mm-hmm. and that she has um, the influence and collective behind her to be able to run for that office. So in addition to the endorsement, the financial contribution to the campaign, what are you helping sort of set up additional infrastructure for them, hosting events on their behalf? Can you talk about sort of what the other, I was going to ask sort of what the other activities you guys yep. are participating in. You're obviously fundraising for yourselves. Sure. You're staying out sort of of that, let's call it the education piece, mm-hmm. where it's like, here's how you run a campaign. Here's how, you know, here are the resources available to set up a website. Here's the timeline you need to be focused on. You're sort of staying out of that. There's enough programs available for folks who right. are truly interested. What are the other empowering efforts that you're doing to help these women, uh, one, have that influence, and two, how else are you contributing yep. beyond those dollars? So what we know, um, interestingly, so in the state of Ohio, in the Ohio General Assembly, right? So mm-hmm. Ohio rep- state representatives mm-hmm. and then Ohio state Senate, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in both of those chambers combined, there are 22% women okay. this year today as we speak. Um Representation has stayed the same for about 28 years. Okay. So interestingly enough, um, which is really interesting for the times that we're in, but uh, representation by women in the Ohio General Assembly was uh, right around uh, 11, 12, 13 percent until 1992. Okay. And 1992 has also been discussed as another year of the woman, right? Um, Anita Hill hearings uh, Mm -hmm. were happening. A lot of women didn't see themselves represented in that room and in that space. And that um, really triggered a lot of women to run for office. in the state of Ohio, that resulted by 1994, we were at 23% women in elected office. So it really did make a marginal jump mm-hmm. in 1992, 94. And then from that time, uh, from 1992 to today, we've really uh, stuck right around an average of 23%. Okay. So occasionally it will spike up to 26, 27%. There are years where it will go down to 19. Uh, we've averaged. But it's hovering there. It's hovering there. Okay. Yeah. So it essentially bumped up in 92, and then we have a, a slightly squiggled straight line, right? Okay. Um, uh, between now and then over the last 28 years. So we have not made measurable change in representation in the state of Ohio. So knowing that, right, what's also interesting is 22% also happens to be the number of, um, the percentage of women who 
give politically. Really? Yeah. Okay. So, and the number um, on the national level hovers similarly to the state of Ohio. We are not all that unique. Okay. Right? And so, what we know is that there is this correlation between women being involved in the political process, right, mm-hmm. period, not just running for office, but giving to political campaigns, uh, being involved in their um, party, okay. right, uh, running campaigns, working in the political sphere. There are less women in all of those spaces. And when more women are involved in any one of those spaces, the percentage of women who are in office also goes up. Okay. So thinking about that and thinking about the other parts of our work, it really is about um, building that collective of women who are involved in the political process. So we have um, 600 members across the state of Ohio. And for us, it's really about connecting those women to our 34 candidates and to their stories okay. and having them build relationships and then also having them advocate for those campaigns on their own behalf. Okay. So part of our work, right, isn't about educating candidates or any of that side of it, but it is about getting more people involved in the political process, bringing more women and men um, to the political process, giving politically, mm-hmm. whether it's to the Matriots or to um, to our endorsed campaigns mm-hmm. or other campaigns, right? All of that, frankly, um, is important to women having more representation. Okay. So for us, it really is then about uh, the collective become becoming more involved and engaged and then sharing their influence and their network, right, with our candidates. What are the activities that you're doing to try and bring more women it to help out campaigns, to contribute to campaigns? How do you, what are the activities surrounding sure. that? So a couple of things um, that we're doing right now. One is what we call Matrix Monday, and that's an event that happens where our candidates have a, uh, the opportunity to speak and to share their stories, and then um, also for people to become involved and engaged and know more about the Matriots and what we're doing. Okay. Um, and then that gives right all those groups an opportunity to be in relationship with each other and that's important Um, another thing that we're doing is uh, there are 34 emails that are going out for the um, really 50 days before the election Mm -hmm. um, where we're doing questionnaires and these questionnaires are um, a a little not typical we're asking um, questions that hopefully help our members and anyone um, related to the pack know a little bit more about our candidates in a different way. Okay. Right. So um, not just simply the kind of information that you might find by going to you know any one of our candidates, Beth Liston, right? Beth mm-hmm. Liston's website. Okay. Um, and seeing her platform and her issues, we're asking some deeper, more probing questions about why she cares about those things. What else is important in her life? What's one thing that none of us would know about you as a person? And so a profile goes out on every single one of our candidates to our members to really give them the opportunity to know them more. Okay. How the organization was only founded a year ago, roughly. Um, This is the first cycle that you guys have endorsed, right? Yes. Yeah. And you purposefully don't 
it is simply Ohio. You don't endorse national candidates, That's correct? That's correct. You don't endorse congressional or Senate candidates. Yep. Um, is there a reason for limiting that scope? Is it a um, is it a paperwork thing? Like, do you are you lip, are you prevented from endorsing those candidates? So uh, we are legally a Ohio PAC right now. We are not a federal PAC, Got and it. so there are s- certainly um, legal reasons why we're not um, participating in federal races. Mm-hmm. That said, filing as an Ohio PAC was intentional on okay. the part of the founders. And the reason for that really was knowing that this is about power and influence, thinking about that and where it is that we could um, provide the most power, influence, and money and have it really matter, mm-hmm. um, really felt like it was uh, the state of Ohio. And you know, further building on that, it's also quite a bit about um, making sure that we have the kind of resources to really make that difference. It's not that it may not happen in the future, but it's simply this is where we're focused right now. Yeah, we, um, yes. And there's plenty of work to to be done, right? To get from 22% to 50% uh, women in elected office is a big jump. That's never been done. And it's also never been done in any state. Okay. Uh, There is actually, uh, Nevada has a chance this year uh, for their state legislature uh, to hit 50%. But this is really largely unexplored in the United States. We've never had um, a situation where we have more than 50% women. Now there are, you know, uh, small situations where city council might hit right. that, right? Some some different bodies, but um, for example, state statewide. legislatures um, or statewide, um, we've never hit 50%. If you guys, let's say you're, what is it, 34 endorsed candidates this mm-hmm. cycle? If let's say all 34 go through, what you know, what percentage you'd be at then? There are of those 34 candidates, uh, 23 are what I'm calling, and this is like a made-up term. Okay. Um, again, because a lot of this measurement just has never existed, and right. you know, we could have a conversation about you measure what matters, right? And yeah. maybe that uh, that hasn't happened yet. Of those 34 candidates, 23 would be what we call a net lady gain. So that would be, yeah, right? Okay. Um, and so trademark. that's where, right, right, there you go. Uh, the Matriots is trademarked legally. Good. Uh, yeah. So what that means for us is in that seat, that would be an additional woman, right? And so we have um, several seats where we have inc- we have six incumbents okay. running, right? Um, and that isn't going to take the, that number down. Of course, we want them to win. Right. Um, but that isn't going to add additionally to the percentage, um, of women in that particular office. So, so what about the other about, five then? I'm sorry, I'm just doing math in my head. 23, you said 23 of the 34, yep, right? Yeah, so six are incumbents. And oh, then, so that is, net, right? that's all of that's them. Ne- okay. Yeah, that's not, that's not a positive gain. That would just be um, netting out when they win. Um, there are also uh, seats where women are replacing another woman gotcha. if they win, right? And that also isn't going to increase that percentage number. And I think that's important too. There's uh, some research on the national side of things uh, that when you really look at, right, this is a record year for women running, Mm -hmm. which is step one, of course. Um, But in congressional seats, and I'm talking about national 
um, congressional seats now. Uh, there are some seats that are so far out of reach, right, that are unlikely to win, that would be a real, really, really hard, that if you look at, even with record numbers running, mm-hmm. uh, best case scenario, and this is with, you know, seats that are in play. Okay. Congressionally, there would be 5% more women in elected office, even with this that, record this, year. This record year. Which right. is why it's important for you guys to continue to stay engaged and to sort of see this through. Yeah, this is going to be, this is a long-term um, situation to be sure. Got it. Do you see, I don't want to get too into national politics because it's, you know, this is a Columbus-focused thing, but what didn't happen in 1991 and 92 to continue sort of things moving forward that can change now? Is it sort of better organization and communication among folks that in order to keep things engaged? I think one, really measuring our progress and where we're at and Mm -hmm. being continually committed to it, I think is something that didn't happen in 1992. We started to, you know, women's um, place in leadership has changed a lot over Mm -hmm. the last 32 years and and in some ways hasn't changed all that much. And I think uh, without really looking at hard numbers or even having hard numbers to look at, I think mm-hmm. we often will feel like things maybe have changed, right? Okay. Um, when in fact that representation um, really hasn't. This is also, right, this is a, a system that was built by men, perpetuated mm-hmm. by men, right? Um, and it is hard to And protected break. by And protected still. by, right. right. And, and some of that's intentional and some of it's not, mm-hmm. right? Um, but, you know, we as a society still have some work to do to respect and understand the value of women in elected office. Mm-hmm. And, um, and frankly, too, right, we're at a time now where many people are um, not exactly um, excited about the state of the country, mm-hmm. not excited about where we're going and um and i think a lot of people have a lot of apathy towards our government being able to get anything done right to really um move things forward for the people in their communities and that often um increasingly it feels like government is not a place to where do that. those things are happening right mm-hmm. and people are not working together right we're in a situation right now where things are more partisan um and more divisive than they ever have been and and we think that that women are a solution to that can you talk about sort of the grander scope of like why it's important to have women in office it's not necessarily both equal representation but you see other your thesis is that that the solution gets better for all with women representing yeah we believe more women period right um is better for government and there is research that shows that women are better collaborators there is research that shows that women pass um, more legislation and make more legislation um, happen. Okay. Right. Uh, these are, are not just uh, ideas that we have. Um, 
about women or things that we intrinsically know or feel, although um, that's true too. Um, there is hard research around, uh, in particular, women being um, better collaborators and able to get more done. Got it. I just sort of want to go back a little bit to where we began mm -hmm. in sort of the questionnaire that you guys give out to your candidates. If a third party were to look at that questionnaire, does it feel nonpartisan? Because you talk about sort of economic prosperity. That's something that you focused on. But, you know, I assume that there's also women's health issues addressed there. Can you sort of address that a little bit? Yeah, sure. So I think those values really could be construed towards one party or another. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, one of those issues that often comes up is reproductive rights. And we are committed to supporting candidates that are not actively working against okay. current uh, legislation around women's access to their bodies. And so um, that is a wedge issue, right? Mm -hmm. What we're really attempting to do here is create a bigger tent. So for example, again, taking going back to women's economic independence, right? Mm -hmm. What we know is that when we ask that question, there are 34 different answers, mm -hmm. right, to that. And we work really hard. We are not issue specific. So the answer to women's economic independence does not have to be X, Y, or Z issue and where you support it, right? Okay. One woman might talk about living wage. Another one may talk about paid time off. Another one may talk about FMLA changes, right? Mm -hmm. Somebody may talk about divorce law. They might, right. yeah. And all of those things are great answers, right, mm -hmm. to that. And so it is about understanding and honoring um, while still keeping that value base, right? Understanding and honoring that women are not monolithic mm -hmm. in their views, right? And, and that's important to us. And so we want to be able to build a big tent. You know, right now we're in a political situation where it feels like there are two tiny white tents on the ends, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and that, you know, increasingly it feels like you've got to run to one of those. Right. Um, and that's where we need to exist. And this isn't about each of our candidates not having strong opinions on certain issues um, because they all do. That's part of why they run for office, right? So this isn't about being moderate per se, but it's about being able to be in community and in collaboration um, and for us to honor that big tent in the middle mm -hmm. and to hopefully create a cohort of women who exist, even if it's just in relationship to this pack, together in that big tent and continue to work together and know that they do have some shared values. Great. Alyssa, thanks so much for your time. Yeah, this is fun. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Confluence Cast presented by Columbus Underground. Again, you can get more information on what we discussed today in the show notes for this episode at theconfluencecast.com. Please rate, subscribe, share this episode of the Confluence Cast with your friends, family, contacts, enemies, your favorite politician. If you're interested in sponsoring the Confluence Cast, get in touch with us. We can be reached by email at info at theconfluencecast.com. 
Our theme music was composed by Benji Robinson. Our producer is Philip Cogley. I'm your host, Tim Fulton. Have a great week. <laughs>